why does a British citizen, why do you care so much whether America elected Donald Trump or, and elected him a second time? What does it matter to you? Yeah, exactly. I'm an outsider, uh, a foreigner, and uh, you've chased our British asses out of your country once before, <laughs> and I'm very cognizant of that. But I have spent 10 years or so here in America on and off, warning people not to become like us. Don't fall like us. You know, I've been down this path earlier than maybe other people. I've had everything taken. Um, and we've lost our right to speak. And of course, they come from my children and whatever. But the point is, I feel so strongly that you are hope for the rest of the world. And I still feel that. All right. Yes. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Now, I'm just going to work out how best I can attack all of you. I'm wondering if you're going to be able to see me if I'm down here. Debbie's going to have a heart attack already because I'm now breaking the rules. This still works, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm kind of frightened by being up there. I feel like a long way from all of you and I can't just pick on someone at will. Now, where's my salt monitor? Please stand. Tell me she's here. Tell me my salt monitor isn't late to the room. You'll do it. Okay, so we've got a stand-in salt monitor. And the idea is, uh, I'm known for being a little bit, how would we say, salty. <laughs> and so we have a salt monitor. So if any of you are of a sensitive disposition, just go right ahead and leave the room now. If any of you are offended in any way by anything I say, then you know, you need to understand that I don't give offense, you choose to take it. And you need to make better choices. And then finally, if you do have complaints, write them on those little cards in front of you, because I'm not gonna be reading them, but it'll make you feel better. <laughs> Maybe pass them to Debbie, ask her not to invite me next year. <laughs> Ah, yes, so that's the salt monitor thing. Now, hold on. <laughs> Have you got your mask? <laughs> Shit, I can't see. <laughs> Have you got your mask? Ma'am! Have you got your mask? Oh, it's tiring, isn't it? It is wearing. I tell you, I say, yes, I've got it. It's in my bag. Have you got your mask? Can you put it on? Yes, I can. Could you speak in a way that is somewhat polite? <laughs> or this one, isn't it? When we're doing this, the Marsh Rebels. Ma'am! <laughs> Ma'am, your nose! <laughs> I'm like, yes, I have a big nose. It's my father's. <laughs> my father says you could put me in the garden and use me as a sundial. <laughs> no, ma'am! Your mask on your nose. <laughs> Have you got a bigger mask? <laughs> I've realized now that, you know, America is no longer Republicans and Democrats. No, no, no. It's the mask perverts. 18 masks and a vaccination just to go to CVS. And then us, the mask rebels who wear them on our chins if we have to at the airport to suggest that we might comply with the rules because we need to get on the plane, but yet at the same time, stick your mask up your ass.
right? Sort of what we're saying. Have any of you had the pleasure of flying in the age of COVID? How many, hands up any of you who flew here and had the delight of airlines. Wasn't it just delightful? Don't you love Southwest Airlines at the moment? Due to COVID, we have to make your life as miserable as we can at every opportunity. So there's a weird thing about Americans. When you're on the ground here and you're drinking, you drink drinks, right? This is a weird translation thing about your language. When you get to 30,000 feet, what do you drink? A beverage. <laughs> How the shit did that happen? I'm on the ground, I've got a drink. I'm 30,000 feet up, now I'm drinking a beverage. <laughs> but thanks, due to COVID, I mean, due to COVID, everything stopped, didn't it? Same in the hotels, right? Due to COVID, we no longer clean your room or give a damn about you while you're in there for a whole week. You could die in your room due to COVID. We won't be there to check. You can use the same towel for a month. We do not care. That's not due to COVID. That's due to your bottom line. I see you. Anyway, we're on the plane and they're going to make your life hell. Due to COVID, there is no normal food and beverage service. <laughs> There's water and maybe a pretzel. One pretzel. And we've licked it as we're coming down the aisle. And then you see these air stewardesses, right? They're now sat at the back of the aircraft, aren't they? The whole flight doing nothing at all. And I'm telling you, that polyester uniform was pretty tight before they got started. And now they're getting no exercise whatsoever. That uniform is tighter than it used to be. It's starting to chafe. I worry about the amount of static electricity that's being built up at 30,000 feet. One of these days, one of these fat women is going to hand me a pretzel and there's going to be a lightning bolt that comes from their groin. So on Southwest, anyone had the choice? I will get to a point eventually. Debbie's going to stand up in a minute. She's going to be like, shut up. Have you done the thing where you have to choose your drink, but because we're now not human anymore and we're not allowed the gift of speech because we might immediately all die from Ebola, you have to just hold up a number that corresponds. So they hold up a chart. I'm not kidding you. And it's got a Coke. Everyone, someone back me up here. Right? Right? You have a choice. One is whatever. Two is Diet Coke. Three is something else. And four is water. I can tell you for certain, no matter what I want to drink, no matter what I need, the only thing I'm going to order is two. And I'm going to order it angrily. Two. I started cutting. I got my little nail scissors out and I cut a slit in my mask. And I started sliding pretzels in one by one. <laughs> Just to freak them out. The lady in 23C, she seems to be eating without moving her mask. <laughs> you just got to keep going. You just got to keep rising above, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to find the laughter. And it's not that it's not serious and it's not that I don't care. But we have to find the levity in all of this because it's the only way in my heart that we're going to make it through, right? You'll notice um, I'm not here right now. Uh, British people are currently still banned from the United States of America. 
uh, and have been for the last two years. They have completely closed down the US Embassy in the UK. We are not allowed to be here. I am one of the only British people standing in America right now. And the reason I'm here, and in order to break into your country, I was like, how am I going to get in? No visas, no nothing. You're not allowed to come to America if you've been in the UK for the last 15 days. Crazy rules, crazy paperwork, testing, testing, testing. I know, I'm going to come in via Mexico. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> I spent 15 days in Mexico City and then broke in. I figure it's how you let everyone else in. I may as well try it myself. And I've got a complaint with all of you guys as well, actually, because I was promised if I came here as a Mexican, I would get free food, I would get free healthcare, and I have had nothing. In order to get here, even to get on the plane, first up, the British government cancelled all flights to Mexico, so I had to fly to Spain in order to fly to Mexico. Then I had to get a test, PCR test, right? I don't know how many of you have had these tests. Some people are like, Katie, how can you even have a test? You're disloyal to the cause. <laughs> Jeez, 15 years of this fight, <laughs> threatened with having my head chopped off, and I'm disloyal for having a PCR test. Let's get a grip. Anyway, so I go into the testing center at Heathrow. It's very, very serious, very serious. Anyone could die at any minute. They're all in there with their breathing apparatus. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to board a Delta Airlines flight with a snorkel, a face mask. <laughs> anyway, I go in there like, right, you can go to, I'm about to grab you, so get ready. Uh, in a physically violent way. Um, I go into cubicle two. She goes, you go to cubicle two, lady in a full ambulance outfit emergency responder things, breathing tubes, everything. She's going to do my test. I go in there. Are you ready? Relax your head. I go, I've been wanting to do this for quite a while. I go in there. She shuts the door. Still very serious. We're still in ambulance wear and breathing apparatus. She gets the back of my head. She shoves it into my boobs and she goes, I bloody love you. Even the people in the testing center know this is a load of old nonsense, right? And then she goes off to cubicle four, gets her friend Jane, brings her down for selfies. Come on! Woohoo! So we're doing tests and we're doing selfies in the testing center. By the way, I'm quite disappointed. When you get in there, I'm told that you're supposed to go... A lady said to me the other day, yeah, you go... I think with mine, it would be more like... But anyway, so we have a selfie together, and then as I'm leaving the test center, she realizes, right, we've got to get our shit together here and be serious. She goes, stay safe. And I go, yes, yeah, stay safe. And off I go. <laughs> so 15 days in Mexico, and finally I uh, go through immigration, and I was allowed into your great country. <laughs> Look at you. Are you all right? You're doing okay? <laughs> I have to say, when I get to immigration, I don't, uh, you know, there's some basic rules for immigration. You don't want the immigration officer that's a woman, right? Because women are always spiteful at immigration. I'm not going to the woman. You don't want the guy that looks like he votes for Biden or wears tight trousers and, you know, loafers with no socks. That's not, no. There's a woman that tells you where to go. Number two, number four, I just ignore her.
I go to the immigration officer who looks like a Trump supporter that looks like he might kill people for a living. He's going to be my kind of guy. I go to him and I say, I love your country. It's the greatest country on earth. I love your second amendment and I love your first. And he's like, stampity stamp, stampity stamp, stampity stamp, stampity stamp. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> I've recently been in the headlines, uh, you may not have noticed, because I got my ass deported from Australia. It's not funny. My mother was ashamed. My mother didn't speak to me for two weeks. She said I brought shame on the family name. <laughs> I think I did that a long time ago, mother. <laughs> my first marriage lasted less than a year. Like, it's been a long journey. So I went to Australia to do a TV show because by doing nonsense TV shows that mean nothing, I can help fund myself being on the road, right? Because nobody pays me to be here. So um, I went to Australia and first of all, you had to go into quarantine, which is essentially prison, but in a hotel room. You do actually like get a hairdryer and stuff, right? I stayed at a Motel 6 the other day. There was no hairdryer. There was a lot of bodily fluids. It's a bit like Wuhan, but in a Motel 6. <laughs> I had to go down to reception and ask to borrow a hairdryer. Did you know that in a Motel 6, the hairdryer comes attached to two concrete breeze blocks? <laughs> All I want to do is look nice for my event. Anyway, we're in quarantine in Australia, remember, not in the Motel 6. And uh, so I'm locked in there for 15 days. I have a police escort from the aircraft to my prison cell in case I make a run for it into Sydney, <laughs> I wish I would. Then a member of the military and a member of the Navy escort me up to my cell too. It's a great idea. I think more hotels should do that. <laughs> I was trying to make out like there wasn't much room in the elevator. <laughs> Then they put me into my room. <laughs> Your laugh is making me laugh. I'm supposed not to laugh at my own jokes. Pull it together. Get a grip. So, what's your name? Bob. Bo okay, Bob's losing his, losing his mind. <laughs> Do we have medical attention for Bob? Um, so, we, I get put in my room and I'm not given a key. You're not allowed a key. I am told that if there is a fire, I am to wait in place for further instructions. I'm on the 26th floor right now. I can tell you I am a lot more frightened of fire than I am of some elusive flu that I think I might be just fine if I caught. And then they tell me um, that if someone comes to my door and delivers my food, I have to wait for them to knock. I have to wait 30 seconds before I'm allowed to go to my door. <laughs> to open it to pick up whatever food they've deemed to give me that day. Then they give me a timer to time the 30-second pause. Can you even imagine this? Someone had to sit down and make up these rules with a straight face, teach them to a battalion's worth of army men, and then them enforce them on little old me. So I'm like so over all this. I'm over all this by day Mm, one. And so I'm online doing my Katie's Arms. Anybody here watch Katie's Arms with me on social media? Yes. It's like an online pub where we laugh at me mostly. <laughs> and uh, I'm online and I'm making, you know, I'm just having fun with this now. I'm like, you won't believe this. Next time they knock at my door with my food, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to cover myself in vegetable oil. 
<laughs> I'm having the best time. This is 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm going to cover myself in vegetable oil, and I am going to make a run for it down the 24th floor, and I'm going to wait for the military men to grab me and wrestle me, writhing, naked, back to my bedroom, and I am going to bring them in with me, and we're going to have the best. So I'm giving it this. The Daily Mail reported that that was factually accurate and actually happened. Some people were using the words rape. This did not happen. I just gestured that I might like to do that because it would be a release of some tension that I was carrying. So before you know it, the deputy prime minister is involved. It's gone up to the prime minister. Now immigration is involved. They've canceled my visa. They're coming to take me to immigration detention. I'm given 10 minutes to pack my stuff. Two squad vans of police come in full hazmat wear. <laughs> With cameras, all of them here. What did they think I was gonna do to them? <laughs> I woulda. <laughs> and I got taken to the airport where they had a press team lined up and I was deported out of Australia for speech. <laughs> Is that not wild? I have to say, and I'm not going to show it now because Debbie will possibly evict me from the Hilton and never speak to me again, and I certainly won't go to heaven. But when I was in Prescott, which I understand is pronounced Prescott, how is that a thing? It's like when people tell me when I'm signing books and they go, yes, my name's Yvonne. You spell it P-R-S-T-Q for, what? My name is Lynn. You spell it L-Y-N-N-N-N-N-N-E. My parents went crazy. Anyway, I was in Prescott the other day in Arizona, and there was a tattoo parlor called the Leap of Faith. And, you know, I strongly believe that our path is already set, right? I believe the more that you open up your life and let go of control, the more your path becomes clear. You know, I believe all of my life, everything that's happened to date has been training for this. I started in the British military. I went through the Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst. I signed up to fight for my country for 35 years. I had to, oh, well, thank you. I had to be medically discharged because of epilepsy. And uh, I thought I could prove I was better than my condition. So that's why I was determined. I think I'm the first epileptic to make it through the academy. But you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I realized that an epileptic with a semi-automatic weapon might not have been my best idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up in the media, ended up one of the best-known media personalities in the UK, and then, of course, refused to be silenced on the things that matter. The fact that my country will fall within the next 10 years to Islam. The fact that I am now a minority in my own land. That the number one name in my country is Muhammad, and the second name is Muhammad. That we have Sharia courts in our top five cities in the UK already that the police have to consult the imam before they're allowed to choose which police officers are allowed to patrol areas of the city. That when something happens to one of our white girls, they no longer get taken to the police, they get taken to the imam to resolve the problem. We had a young girl set on fire, a Muslim girl set on fire the other week in the street. A gentleman went, I spoke with him to try and put her out and she lived a further week. And the local mosque said it was not uh, brotherly to comment or gossip about what happens to a sister. And the Metropolitan Police came out and said um, that there was no suspicious circumstances. 
And I've spent the last 10 years or so on the road here in America asking you not to fall as we have fallen and not to become like us. And we know that we're going towards the darkness at alarming speeds. But I am here as a respectful foreigner and an outsider. And believe me, my humor is only because it's just one of the strongest weapons I think we have. There is no sort of levity in my heart for this. But you know you are different from us. And I don't just mean that in the way that you do weird stuff. <laughs> which you do. Americans do really weird things. Like when British people get in an elevator, honestly, we get in the elevator, not that we go upstairs to get in an elevator, but just bear with. We get in the elevator and we just, we're basically apologetic for being in the elevator. <laughs> and then we briefly look up to press the button and we say sorry and then we go to the back and we apologize for breathing or living and then we hear a ding we briefly glance up to check it's our floor and then apologetically while saying sorry we leave the elevator which we call a lift because it's a better word than elevator but let's not do that <laughs> now you get to America you get to an elevator hi how are you doing How's your day going? What floor would you like? Woo! I just had the best meeting, made a sale. What's your name? I love your necklace. Where do you get that from? I'm going to see you later at dinner. Have a great day. Ping doing. Fuck. I thought I'd been raped. Okay, so there's some differences, right, between us. But you know, one of the main differences between Americans and Brits is that you have freedom in you. I, I can't explain it better than that, but somehow, if I cut you, you have freedom hardwired in there in a way that we don't. Your constitution is, I know it's on your tables, I love it, I have one of those in my bag. It matters more to me than my British passport these days, and I say that without a word of a lie. You have your constitution and it sets you apart. You are still one nation under God. You are not a democracy, you are a republic and you remain that way. And you still have the thing that truly is going to be restorative when the time comes, you still have your second amendment. You know, in my country, when they came to, a couple of jihadis came to cut my head off. Um, in my home. There was nothing I could use to protect my own children other than a bottle of hand sanitizer. I tell you, if anyone else comes at me with a bottle of hand sanitizer, I will shove it up their ass. <laughs> so we're not allowed weapons in my country, but I still have a car bumper sticker that says, guns uh, don't kill people, but I'm willing to keeps the other mothers at a safe distance from me. Because of your second amendment, you still have your first. Because you know that your faith matters, because your family still matters. And believe me, the reason I'm here is I want to tell you, you can't hear us. You're not allowed to hear us. But 20 million or so great British people look to you guys for hope as well. You are our hope too. And we are standing up and we are cheering you every step of the way. Because of your faith, because of your family, because of the freedom you have hardwired into your souls. 
you remain the greatest nation on the face of planet Earth, and you will always be that. Thank you for listening to me. My name's Katie Hopkins. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Need my mic on here. Need my mic on here. There we go. Thank you so much, Katie Hopkins. I actually had uh, want to remind the audience: if you had a question and you have no cards, you can raise your hand, and we'll have volunteers grab them from you. I wanted to do something before your video played, and uh, we just, it, it kind of kicked off before I got to say one thing I wanted to say about you. But you know, Katie is obviously entertaining. She travels the world. She has traveled through South Africa and Europe and uh, really all over the world. And she has this kind of outspoken message about saving Western civilization. She has a gift of presenting it in a way that's actually funny, like you were just hearing. I mean, you can just be entertained, but you realize these truths that she's saying about America are exactly what we need to learn again, to remember, to value. So she's just been extraordinarily great about that. I don't have questions uh, from the audience yet, so I'm gonna start with one. Uh, this is really, because you, in America, we got kind of excited about the UK, thinking maybe things would be okay. So like, what is the, your amateur psychiatrist opinion on Boris Johnson? You know, how disappointing can one man be? And I say that after my first marriage. <laughs> so um, Boris Johnson, you know, I feel guilty and responsible in some regard because I love Boris. You know, I, last time I saw Boris, I asked him to marry me. I have rescinded that offer. I now call him the potato in a wig because he's about as functional, although I guess at least a potato makes fries. The thing was, he was doing so great, right? It was Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. We're going to get Brexit done. And he cleansed the parliament and he pushed it through and he made Brexit happen. I couldn't have been more proud. One day in March 2020, something happened. I don't know what they went in with. I don't know what they offered him. He turned on a dime in the same way that you've seen Justin Trudeau fold, that you've seen Jacinda Ardern fold in New Zealand, that you've seen Scott Morrison in Australia fold, you've seen all of these folds, the same thing happened. They turned on a dime, next day, lockdown, shutdown, evaporate small businesses, evaporate endeavor, crucify the nation, and make it such that people lost faith in themselves and humanity. And that's what Boris Johnson has done. And, and when you say, I always say you have to choose your monsters, right? You can't just complain about something. You have to know what the answer is going to be. And my fear is I don't know what the answer is in the UK. I don't see a replacement. I don't see a better option. So yes, um, Boris Johnson has been a massive upset. But what gives me joy is, is still these 20 million British people who have not capitulated and had the state injectable. And the 80 million Americans, I actually think that number is higher, who have not capitulated despite everything and had the state injectable. We are the solid few that remain, yeah. You know, you speak so eloquently about America and the, uh, how unique America's rights and promises are, and they're, they're profoundly important things you're saying. Our founders, this country had the founders who said basically we pledge our lives, our fortune, our sacred honor 
Do you feel like as you're traveling around America, you speak everywhere, are you sensing that spirit again in America? Or do you sense, uh, honestly, I, I kind of worry too many of us are capitulating and, and just no. surrendering. No, so. it's there, it's there, it's there. So people like me are all in, right? And one of the joyous things is when they take everything, your jobs, your home, they come for your children, they come for your head, right? It makes you incredibly free. I'm not advocating it. I'm not allowed a bank account in my own country. You know, PayPal removed me. They removed me off Twitter when Trump tweets me. You know, so I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying it makes you very free. And then I was cured. Um, anybody can, I think a lot of you have already felt my head, but I'm a little egg. I don't have a skull. I got cured of my epilepsy as well. And my seizures were supposed to kill me. Yeah, it's fine. I just lay there. So um, I'm also, I'm on extra time already. This is years I wasn't supposed to have. A seizure was supposed to get me by 35, and obviously now I'm just 36. <laughs> so my point is, I'm as free as I can be. There is nothing they can take from me, and if there's a day comes where it's all in, I'm all in. But the thing is, I meet exactly other people just like me as well. I met a lady briefly, briefly in uh, the Trump Hotel from Portland, and when we thought, you've got a, you've got a question, my darling. Um, when we thought Trump was going to win, which of course he did this last election. We know that, we know that. And we knew because Trump was gonna win, we knew also that riots were coming, right? We knew that in Minnesota, in Portland, they were gonna burn it down. And the lady said to me, she goes, I'm from Portland. When they come, they better realize they're not gonna leave. And she meant it. And I saw it in her eyes, it gives me, the, it gives me, puts my hairs on end now. And that's the truth of Americans, is that if someone comes to your home and starts to mess with your family, they are not gonna leave. And I feel that everywhere I go. Love that, one last quick question, uh, and this is from an audience member. Is there, any, is there any pushback in the UK to the continued open immigration policies in your country? Oof. No, uh, immigration, as you will notice, one of the great diversions of COVID is that we're so busy talking about the vaccine or the mask or do you want Coke or Diet Coke or mm, that people are kind of, you know, it's like a switch, isn't it? Bait and switch. We're, we're looking over here and over there, our country's being overrun. So we're not noticing that white people will be out of the UK within 10 years. I'm a minority in London, Luton, Bradford, Leicester, Birmingham. There's plenty of places people cannot go in the UK. So no, the clever thing about COVID is it's a diversionary tactic that's allowing the takeover and the mass takeover of our countries to happen quickly. Absolutely true. Okay, I have, we do actually got three quick questions, but we only have, I'm, I'm the... Um, drill sergeant here on time, so I'll only pick one. Yeah. Um, what is the status of Brexit? Ooh, same, same with immigration, actually. It's kind of Brexit happened, but we never got to feel the benefits because COVID happened. And then also anything that goes wrong or is bad. So we've all got global supply chain issues, right? Deliberate global supply chain issues. They are created in order to create tension at the demand end of the chain before I get economist boring. You crucify supply, demand is tense, people start to fight each other for water. So we have that in the UK. Anything bad that happens, it's Brexit. Brexit, oh, this is because of Brexit. It's that whole deplorables thing, right? These idiots that voted Brexit. But I will say, just to end on, whoop, an upbeat thing. You know, many of the times there are lessons we can learn from all different countries. Uh, the French 
I mean, I know they've had a hissy fit and withdrew their ambassadors from everywhere, which like, that is so French. Oh, you're going to treat us like that? If you treat us like that, we are just going to piss off. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they're brilliant at flouncing off. There's no reason at all. Well, submarine contract. I mean, whatever. Uh, French, they shut down the French restaurants. Oh, no, you had to have a vaccine to be in a French restaurant. So what did the French do? They took their tables and chairs outside the restaurants in the street and sat and ate outside the restaurants. Mm. Those sorts of people, there are countries teaching us the way ahead. Yeah. America, can we talk truth about America?